Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We are your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're broadcasting live from lovely Austin, Texas, and we have a really, really cool show for you guys today. Um, And I think this will maybe be a two- or three-day show. Uh, (laughs) So long-time listeners, and there's a lot of you, uh, we have around 100,000 regular listeners. You guys will know that Julie and I are nerds. We just are, and we embrace our nerddom. And so as a result of that, and truthfully, we have to keep our minds always active, learning new things. Otherwise, we become crappy business owners. We become crappy coaches. You know, if we're not inspired, it's impossible for us to be inspiring. If we're not educating ourselves, how can we actually educate you guys? And not just about the real estate stuff, not just about the normal things that everybody talks about, but we need to keep our minds fresh and focused on anything and everything that's going to make us better people so we can become better at what we do. And that is a direct trickle down to you guys. One of the things that fascinates Julie and I is, is uh, really what motivates folks and what motiv- demotivates people. And because we know at, at the heart of every conversation, every coaching call, is someone who's looking for a uh, almost, it's not, the word's not permission, but that what comes, that's what comes to mind, giving themselves permission to actually take action. So at the heart of every single one of you listening right now is a little voice inside of you that's waiting for some little epiphany, some little moment of inspiration, some little something to go off inside of you that finally gets you off your butts and taking the action that we have been telling you exactly what to take, especially our coaching clients, for the last, you know, forever. So, and by the way, you guys can listen to past radio shows at realestatecoachingradio.com. So, you know, you guys are listening. You listen, a lot of you listen regularly, and you were wondering, okay, well, I listen to what Tim and Julie say. I've listened to what they said for a long time. Why don't I take more action? And then here's what happens when you ask that question. Or if maybe you, you ask that question in your own way, right? You feel inspired. You guys like listening to us. We read your emails. We love your feedback. I know you, we're doing a good job of educating and motivating you guys. I'm just not convinced you guys are taking enough action with what you're getting from the radio show. I know you're not. So then the question has to be, why is it that when we present to, say, 100 people, that we'll have 10 people who will end up being rock stars and 90 of you will basically fade, and yet you'll say it's the best thing you ever listened to, it's the best event you ever sure. attended? Why does that happen? Okay, and here's why. I'm going to answer it, and then I'm going to give you guys the, the focus of our radio shows this week. The answer is because as soon as you leave the environment that you're there with us, our little bubble, the radio show today, a live event, a coaching call, whatever it is, as soon as you're outside of that little bubble, what happens is you are hit by a barrage, an absolutely overwhelming barrage of excuses and all kinds of things that are neatly packaged for you to believe that your accomplishment of your goals is unattainable. Now, some of you are going to say, no, Tim, that's not how I live. And I believe you. Some of you actually have done a really good job of weeding out all the negative inputs, the news, the TV, the radio, negative you know, friends, all the crap that's out there. You guys have become self-aware of realizing how detrimental outside influences are. We call it living a media-free life, and I know some of you guys are doing that. 
if you don't know what I'm talking about, again, go to Real Estate Coaching Radio and just do it, hit the search button and look for Media Free, and you'll find we've done three or, so, three or four shows on basically purging yourself of all those negative influences. But my point is, is why is it that you guys, when you have the same information as somebody, and one person starts selling four or 500 houses within three or four years, and you guys don't do anything, why is it, what's the difference in those two people? It's what they think, but it's really, at the end of it, it's what they allow themselves to think. A lot of you believe that you lack the ability to choose. You think that you have some sort of script that was written out for you before you were born in your genes, and that's what we're talking about today. I told you guys we're nerds. <laughs> you think that literally your futures are preordained based on your genetic code or based on your environment or based on your parents or based on your broker or based on your spouse or based on your friends. You have constructed this gorgeous system to be lazy, for apathy, for producing less than you otherwise could, for living a smaller, diminished life than you should. And so we're going to help you guys realize how absolutely positively evil those thoughts are and all the horrible ways that they're adversely affecting not just your life, but the life of the people you love, but here's another little interesting thought, the life of the generations that come after you that could directly benefit from you moving past these self-limiting beliefs. So we're really going to be drilling down on today's radio show, and like I said tomorrow and the next day, the topic of the show is, are your failures and your successes your fault or not your fault? Okay? So get ready. Get ready to take notes. And I really do think this is going to be a mind-blowing uh, series of radio shows for a vast majority of you. Those of you, coaching clients mainly, who are on the right path, who are experiencing levels of success that maybe before you never would have experienced before, the topic of these, this week's shows will reinforce the path that you're on. So there's something for everybody. So before we get to Julie's first points, Julie, you have a fantastic email to read, correct? I do, and this is one of those agents you're referring to as having it together and being on the right path. This is uh, Dennis from... Fredericksburg, Virginia, and I can give my American version to your probably French last name, but I took Spanish, so it's either Couturier, or if I'm doing the American version, Couturier, I don't know, but Dennis, you know who you are <laughs> in Fredericksburg, Virginia. So here's why his email is so important. Let me just read this to you. Tim and Julie, I want to drop you a note and let you know how much I enjoy the radio show. Thank you, of course. After a long hiatus, I'm getting back into the business that I am truly passionate about. Free coaching call, you bet. So he's been paying attention. We'll, of course, take good care of you, Dennis, on that call. Today's show is especially fantastic. The whole team thing is getting a really big push, and the rather vocal and social other agents in their expansion teams are impressive. It all seems a bit egotistical, though. Quote, my team sold 700 homes. Sounds really impressive. Running an adult daycare, less so. It was refreshing to hear you how you feel about it. To me, it really seems like I'm being sold when I'm supposed to desire a big team. Not for me, though. I just want to help people and get paid. Thanks for making that okay. Of course, Dennis. And we always point out we're not anti-team. We're just pro-profit. So it's how you go about it, whether that means you're a single agent or you're a small team or a bigger team. That's what we're going to be focusing on in the entire month of May. So Dennis goes on to say, I could use some help. I know the monthly numbers that I want to hit, 10 listing appointments, netting me six or seven listings per month, conservative conversion rates. So Dennis is thinking about his business like a business person. I need some direction as to how to get those numbers. That's why you have coaching. I've got some ideas about those spokes. I don't mind dialing for dollars or knocking doors at all. I could use some help with scripts, the pre-listing package, and the Sharpie close. I'm really excited to see what that is. 
These are the things that will help me move in the right direction right now. Mojo sells, all right, I can do that too, but let's set the train on the tracks before we start shoveling coal into the furnace. I love that he said it that way. That's so well put. You two really are the best at what you do. I love your passion and enthusiasm. It makes me a bit emotional that this is possible, that I get a second shot at this great life. So Dennis, based on your email, we know you're going to kill it. It's just a matter of how you're going to go about it and how quickly. Wouldn't you agree with that, Tim? Based on the, the mindset you can about, pick up. <laughs> well, here, here are my thoughts about Dennis. God bless you for sending an email. And, of course, you have a second shot, Dennis. Of course you do. And number two, or number three, rather, the thing where my mind goes is I hope Dennis is being vigilant about protecting his mindset. Um, You know, honestly, guys, it pisses me off. And I'm tired of using these politically correct terms, though I don't really do it that much anyway. But it pisses me off how much the team stuff right now is really being forced down all of your throats. And I'm going to tell you guys a little secret. Now, like I said, Julie and I are not anti-team, though I know we have been labeled as such. There's been some people on big stages at big real estate events that haven't used our name, but they'll say things like well-known coaches who live in Austin, Texas. I've heard all that crap. You know, people are trying to pick fights with us because they're not listening. So here's really the bottom line as far as teams. We had a real estate team. Julie and I sold real estate for nearly 10 years, between 100 and 200 houses per year. We sold over 100 houses our first year. So we're talking from experience. What makes me mad is so many people out there are telling you guys to build teams who've never sold real estate before. If you're listening to a coach or a presenter, and by the way, and I sound like a jerk saying this and I don't care, but if you're listening to somebody who's our competitor, who's never sold real estate before, and they're telling you what to do, I don't care how entertaining or, or convincing they are, you have to be a skeptic of what they're telling you. There is a huge difference between someone who's done it and someone who's read about it, and you know that. Intuitively, you know what I'm saying is true. So here's the thing about teams. Teams are not new, even though everyone wants to act like it's a new idea. Teams have been around right. since basically the late 80s in real estate. They really started to come into their own in the early 90s. How do I know that? Because Julie and I had one of the first teams in the country. That's how. It's not a new concept. Teams were originally designed to make it so that agents would have an opportunity to still make money from their practices while spending less time in their businesses. That was the original concept, and it's been bastardized since then. So now what happened back then was the team uh, owner, if you want to call them that, was doing it knowing that they were going to forgo profit, knowing that they were going to make less money. These were mostly agents who were older, who were forming these little teams. So then what happened was that concept then started basically being manipulated, and now everyone talks about the number of units that they sell. Nobody talks about the the profit that they make. Nobody talks about the fact that in a lot of cases they're not making any profit. They're not talking about the fact that the expenses that they incur to run these big teams selling hundreds of houses per year result in less net than an agent with maybe one or two assistants that's selling maybe 30 houses per year. That is a shockingly true statement. You guys are not being educated on the whole picture. You're going to these events and you're listening to these people and you're believing the hype. That's all it is. Use your brain. Here, I'll break it down for you. In most markets, an agent with one or two assistants, you know, so they can focus on the highest dollar productive activity every single day, will make more net profit than a team of 10 agents by a country mile. 
to, for a team of 10 agents to, let's say they earn a million dollars in commission, or it doesn't matter how many people are on the team, okay? I'm just throwing that arbitrary number. But for them to make a million dollars, they'll have to, you know, for, say, five, six, seven agents on a team, they make a million in commission. That's pretty impressive, okay? How much is the actual person that takes the risk, that buys the buyer lead, that maxes out their credit card every month, that spends all their time trying to hire, recruit, and train agents, who goes and believes all the big hoop-de-doo about forming a team, how much do they actually net? Well, guess what? We know because we've researched it before. And there's other people out there, by the way, who are also telling the truth about teams. Pat Hyben, for example, is doing a good job being truthful because guess what? Pat had one of the largest teams in the country. He was selling close to 1,000 houses per year. And he, on his podcast, and I've had him on our podcast, he and I tell the truth. So go and do your own research on this. So what happens on these teams is – Generally speaking, the person running the team will make less than 20% before taxes. So a team owner, or whatever you want to call them, rainmaker, who makes a million dollars on their team, gets the plaques, gets the awards, is put on stage as somebody you should emulate, and maybe that's okay with you, maybe that's your particular goal, they'll make $180,000 to $200,000 a year after taxes. Depending on their state, they'll make probably about hundred grand. Think about that for a second. Now, for the same agent, an individual agent with maybe one assistant or two assistants, an assistant to try process transactions, assistants to take care of the sellers, you know, once the listing contract is signed. For that same agent to earn $200,000, they'll have to maybe do two fifty, three hundred thousand dollars $300,000 total commission. You guys following me on this? You thinking this through? How long will it take for you to build a team, to hire, train, recruit, go through all the pains and anguish, to end up basically where the agent two offices down for you with two assistants, you and he and you or she are making the same amount of money net before taxes. Guys, there's no profit in it. There's not enough profit considering the risk and the time that it takes. Some of you, that's going to be okay. You're going to want to be in a position where you can hire, manage, train, recruit. That's what turns you on, and I think that's great. Why did we go? So what Julie and I did is we went from uh, essentially Julie and I and one assistant and I told and you guys, this is all historical fact, sold over 100 houses our first year, and then we started adding staff. We had a team. This is all documented. This is true. But what we did, nobody told us that our net would be driven down. No one actually, you know, nobody talks about profit. We figured it out along the way because we started going to Howard Brinton events, and we started networking with some of the, you know, most – I guess the famous agents in the country, and we started talking to them about frank conversations about what they were making. And conversation after conversation after conversation, we were shocked at how little they were netting. It was almost a painful conversation to have with some of these guys because I idolized them, and so did Julie. And then you found out that someone selling 800 houses per year was basically making essentially what we made our first year in the business net. You know what, guys? That doesn't make any sense to me. It just doesn't make any sense. So we downsize well, can, our team. Does, does that sound more or less stressful, honestly? I mean, why do people yeah, do these exactly. big teams? Because they think they can just delegate everything and sit on the beach all day and have a couple of accountability calls with their team and then, you know, get back to the beach. It doesn't work that way. And furthermore, running a team, guys, is a thousand times more work than actually running your real estate practice the pure the organic way, doing it the correct way, doing it around basically a coaching system that's focused on having you guys be absolutely phenomenal listing agents. Okay, we're going to talk about that all month of May, and obviously, you know, Dennis's email reminded me of my soapbox, so I got on it. But here's really the big takeaway, guys. 
when you look at who the top producing agents are in the country, the agents that are selling, you know, Prudential, Caldwell Banker, we coach a lot of these guys. There are superstars. You can listen to them at realestatecoachingradio.com. We've exposed you to these guys. They don't have teams. They don't have teams. They don't have teams. They have one or two assistants, maybe three. That's it. They don't market themselves as teams. They have very small focused businesses that focus on being listing agents. Alan Dom comes to mind. You know, uh, Jade out in uh, L.A. comes to mind. I asked her during her interview about her team, and she paused because she knew it was politically incorrect to say she doesn't have a team. I kind of told her it was okay, you know, for her to tell the truth. She said, I don't have a team. Michael and Robin Gordon on the main line in Philadelphia, they don't have a team. They personally make $5 million to them every year. To them. Not gross, but that's their profit. No team. So you've got to think, where do you want your practice to be? Why did you get in this business? Did you get in this business to make profit, to make money? Guys, you don't get rich selling houses. Nobody gets rich selling real estate. Nobody does. You get rich reinvesting the money you make from selling real estate. That's how we did it. That's how hopefully a lot of you guys will do it as well. And then you won't have any money to reinvest unless there's, any, unless there's sufficient profit. Why aren't more people saying this? Because it's trendy right now. It's like bell-bottom jeans, right? Everybody's walking around in bell-bottom jeans, and people are saying, well, I, I mean, those look dumb, but I guess everybody's saying they look good, so they must look good. Nobody's willing to stand up and actually say, guys, this does not make sense. This is not what's best for the individual agent. This is not going to lead to the betterment of our industry, let alone the betterment of the individual practitioner. You guys have got to make decisions based on business facts and having done your own research. Do not blindly follow somebody who's telling you they have a prediction that there's going to be 100,000 teams doing all the transactions within 10 years. That's just a bunch of crap, and you know it. Okay. I'm off my soapbox. Did you hear me step down? <laughs> Rant concluded. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's all right. Well, rant, it all plays the rant, into the rant machine is yeah. over. <laughs> rant machine. Yeah. Is so stopped. anyway, that's May. <laughs> we but we yeah. are going to talk to you guys about how it, to go through the decision making process of whether you want to form a team. We're going to talk to you about basically what size of a team you want, and we're going to tell you about the ramifications financially of each level. Okay, so we're going to walk you through the five different levels of forming a team and deciding what level you want to be at. Some of you might choose to be, okay, I want to have a bunch of staff. That's fine. We're going to show you how to do it. Some of you are going to say, I don't want any staff. I just want to be a, a sole practitioner. Fine. We're going to tell you how to do it. And then we're going to walk you through uh, how to hire them, how to pay them, what to, how to hold them accountable. We're going to tell you best practices for systems, we're going to tell you the software that you can use. We're going to walk you through the entire process of how to scale your real estate practice in May. But I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to tell you it's a panacea. I'm not going to tell you, provided your goal is profit, that a team is going to get you into the end zone, okay, quicker than being an agent with one or two uh, assistants, because it won't. There are exceptions. If you're in an area with a ridiculously high sale price, none of these rules apply to you. <laughs> you live in a parallel universe. But for the most part, this is how it works. So, Julie, let's get to talking yes. about our topic today. Okay, and again, this is probably going to be a multi-show topic. I think it's fascinating. I think there's a lot to it, so just kind of stay with us on this. a little bit different than some of the things we normally do, but it applies to each and every one of you. So, again, are your failures and or your successes not your fault? So a lot of you guys – you know, you would be doing this, except, well, you got this excuse. So we're going to address that in both a scientific and nerdball way and also a reality practical implication way. So 
I looked up, here's a new term for some of you. It's called epigenetics. Well, what is that and how does that possibly apply to real estate? Well, the uh, terminology, and I've greatly whittled this back to make it more digestible, epigenetics from Wikipedia. What does it mean? It means upon, over, or above, and it's the, it's the field of genetics on a cellular level, trait genes, right? So when you say, well, I'm not genetically set up that way, either positive or negatively, but epigenetics studies the variations that are caused by external or environmental factors. And here's the fascinating part. Did you know that you could switch your genes on and off and affect how cells read your genes instead of being caused by changes in DNA sequencing, like we all brought up you know, in science class, that your DNA is what it is and you're stuck with what you're stuck with? Well, epigenetic research describes dynamic alterations in your cellular construct. So just to translate all that, we all have DNA, of course. We have the genes that we were born with. But some of those you can absolutely affect and switch them on and off. That's the study of epigenetics. It's relatively new. It started, you know, I did a lot of research on this, started in the 90s. Now it's far enough along that they can say and prove that these things are true. So point number one, as applies to all of our great listeners, so that I can unnerd ball here for a second. Point number one. Good luck. <laughs> external, environmental, and personal choices can positively or negatively affect whether a specific gene in your DNA sequence is turned off or on. This means that your past, your physical and psychological makeup, does not actually predetermine your future. Well, we could probably just do the whole show on that one point. But what does that mean? It means that if your family has a genetic tendency towards, say, heart disease, that you might have those genes, but your habits, your lifestyle, and your choices can actually turn those genes off or on. You do have control. Maybe you come from a long line of broken marriages or from addiction issues or even criminals. It does not mean that it's your destiny or your handicap. You can change all of that. They've actually scientifically proven this by studying real DNA. So point number two, here's the real question, right? Keeping it practical. Point number two, who will you become now that you know this is scientific fact? This should be opening up all of your mindset right now. You should be going, huh? The Scooby-Doo, right? Huh? <laughs> I can well, do Julie, that? Let's make this, let's make this yeah. practical, okay? So you got it. Let's give, for, let's give, for example, there's a lot of people that believe that they're going to be alcoholics because they come from a line of alcoholics. There's a lot of people that believe that they're going to be fat because they come from a family of fat people. There's a lot of people believe that they're only going to be, you know, ex achieving a certain level of success in their lives because, after all, that's, you know, it's preordained in their genes. So modern research has proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that none of those things are true, that you can actually change your, for example, let's look at, say, the person that thinks they're preordained to have uh, an alcohol uh, abuse uh, addiction issue, right? There, our culture right now believes, and I'm not going to argue about this, I'm not going to debate it, it's a very sensitive topic for a lot of folks, but let's just dive into it, of course, right? That alcoholism is a disease. Okay, the AMA says alcoholism is a disease. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of coaching clients who have drug addiction or alcohol addiction issues. So that has become a topic amongst probably 20 or 30 percent of all of our coaching clients where they real where they're essentially limiting their lifespan limiting their life the quality of life 
because of the fact that they're addicted to some uh, substance. And when you talk to them about it and you ask them about it, they will literally, within a breath, tell you that it was sort of in their DNA and there's nothing they could really do about it. Now, when you tell them something contrary to that, when you explain to them what Julie's explaining to you guys now and even send them the research, they oftentimes will take it offensively because they want to keep that crutch. They want to keep that defect because it gives them an excuse. So you've got to start with the concept that everything in your life is a choice. Everything in your life is a choice. Your quality of life today is 100% based on the choices you made yesterday, last year, 10 years ago. The alcoholic can avoid. Now, he might have a, pre, he might have a tendency for it, but really what happens is if that alcoholic person decides not to, say, for example, hang out at bars, hang out with people that drink a lot, hang out in environments that would be conducive to overdoing it in the alcohol department, chances are he won't or she won't ever develop that problem. And we know, and it's been scientifically proven, this conversation even applies to real diseases like cancer. So people, some people have these certain things that might trigger a certain a genetic, you know, ramification that will cause a certain disease to ha happen well, guess what? Research has proven that you can have an effect on that. If you know you have a, you know, for, for uh, I'll give you guys one that's uh, applicable and <laughs> for 99% of you, especially after watching all the testimonial videos, okay, you guys are accepting the fact that you, uh, it's okay to be fat. And so what happens is, you say, well, my parents were fat, and my brothers and sisters are fat, and everybody around me is fat, so fat just is what I am. That, fat are my people. Well, that's your choice. It is your choice. You can choose to be fat based on, obviously, what you consume and the exercise you put forth. Everybody knows that, right? But here's the other thought. Socially, you might be in an environment where it reinforces being fat. It reinforces being over, of overeating. You're probably surrounded by people people you love, people you respect, longtime friends, who one of the pillars of your relationship is overeating, okay? Maybe that's too personal. Maybe these last two examples have offended you. That's okay. Be offended because now we're going to make it practical and in our wheelhouse. Money. A lot of you guys are limiting the finances that you'll ever experience because of your, uh, because your beliefs about yourself, because your beliefs about what you're capable of. It does not – here's a little window into the reality for a lot of you guys, and I think all of you guys intuitively know this. You don't have to be particularly smart to have a lot of money. You don't. You don't have to be particularly smart to be successful at, you know, maybe anything outside of brain surgery. Being successful doesn't really take uh, being a Rhodes Scholar. It doesn't take huge ACT or SAT scores or having graduated from Harvard. Matter of fact, guys, most people, you know, that are successful, the billionaires – Go look at the list and how many actually graduated from college. It's about maybe half of them graduated from college, half of them didn't. So there's no direct tie, not really. It's not a requirement. To, uh, it's not a requirement. It helps, but oftentimes having superior intellect actually will make it so that you have a greater probability of not being financially successful. Isn't that interesting? So the topic of today, tomorrow, next day, we would have covered more ground had it not been for my rant would have been is going to be on really where your belief structure lies within regards to what you can achieve in life. And, Julie, it is interesting 
when you modern science does it used to be this topic would all be about mindset right what you believe you can achieve i mean all those things that have been around you know a lot of them are based in the bible and a lot of them are sort of you know they're they're things that their mindset they would have fallen into a mindset category about you know what people are capable of it's all about what you mm-hmm. think it's all about this that that's how all of us grew up but now we have actual science to back up what a lot of us have known to be true intuitively that really you can directly control not just your, you know, your experience on this planet in terms of wealth, again, our wheelhouse, but you can control to a large extent your experience on this planet on any aspect of your life. You're, you know, we're going to get into the weeds a little bit, I think, in the next couple of days and helping you guys make this stuff even more practical. Julie, I was trying to give you a nice a rounding off point for today's show. Is there another point you want <laughs> no, to cover? No, good. No, because it, it gets to be too in-depth. But I, I think this is a good place. I mean, for most people, I, I mean, I, until, I don't know, six months ago, I probably hadn't heard of epigenetics other than just in passing. You know, I'd heard the word, but I hadn't really studied it. So I think this is a good place to stop just to digest this fact. I hope that it makes all of our listeners start to feel empowered once they digest it, that, you know, it comes down to control, you have the ability to control the outcome. And I think about it a couple of different ways, Tim. One is, you know, to use the potential uh, obesity example, right? So maybe all of your family have the obesity gene, so to speak, and maybe you've grown up believing, well, you, you know, you're fat because your people are fat, right? And, the, and that you know, there's not a lot you can do about it. It's going to be a constant struggle. Well, think about the person who maybe has skinny people genes, and thinks that because they have skinny people genes, they don't have to be really all that careful about what they eat, pretty soon they're going to be fat. So that's proof in the opposite direction that, yeah, you can turn it off and on. You can affect things. Now, to your point, maybe certain predisposed factors should make you more or less sensitive to something, but that doesn't mean that you don't have control. So I hope that our listeners feel empowered. And so the next point, and we'll get into this deeper tomorrow, is who will you become now that you know this scientific fact, what if you also knew that you have the power to actually change your genetic tendencies for good and that they might even be passed on genetically, right? So that's what's, what gives extra proof to it is that once you've made these lifestyle changes, they actually can be passed on. You know, I think it's really fascinating, both literally and scientifically as well as through nutrition, environmental, physical, mental habits. The things that maybe you've dabbled with in the past, because maybe you want to try out a new habit, Maybe your guys are going to take it a whole lot more seriously knowing that you're actually physically, literally, scientifically changing your makeup. I think it's really fascinating that we have that power. But Julie's not talking, again, we're not talking about mindset here, guys. We're talking about real uh, real science where they can actually go in there uh, uh, on a very core level and prove that you've been able to turn certain DNA uh, things on and certain DNA things off based on your lifestyle based on your behaviors, based on your environment. So you can control amazing. it. But, but so, Julie, just to put a period at the end of today's show, period yeah. at the end of the sentence, here's really where all this leads, guys. And this is really what you've got to be aware of, the information that you intake, the things that you allow to influence, the people you allow in your life. Even, I know this is hard, it's painful, but it's true, the environment that you might find yourself in. You know, there is nothing in Julie and I's DNA Nothing whatsoever that would have ever in a billion years told you we would be the people we are today. Julie comes from two great school teachers, a middle-class family, 
She was absolutely positively raised to be probably a music teacher, who knows, a school teacher for sure. Everyone in her family is like that. They all have those kind of very respectable, middle-class, normal upbringings. The money conversations never came up. No one ever had any sort of – that wasn't anything that was ever a topic of conversation. I can say that with conviction because I've been married to Julie for 25 years this year. In my family, it was even, I dare I say, a little bit worse. We were – I was raised really marginally middle class, lower middle class, oftentimes poor. We didn't – you know, we struggled with all kinds of bare necessities, food, electric would get turned off, wire would get turned off. Those, that was how I was raised. And you know what? My school teachers, I actually had one school teacher in seventh grade that told me basically I was going to be a mailman. Nothing wrong with being a mailman, <laughs> especially when you look at their pensions. But the reality of it say, is – I hear they have was, great benefits. <laughs> yeah, they have great benefits. Maybe that wasn't a bad idea. But the reality of it is there was nothing, no one anywhere, when you look at our family histories, when you look at us individually, that would lead you to believe that Julie and I would ever be where we are today. What was the thing? We're going to share with you guys in the next few radio shows, and we want you to listen. We're not, we're not full of it, guys. We're not acting. We're not acting like we hit homers. We were not born on third base. You guys know what I'm talking about. We, like many of you, have had to create the versions of ourselves with our own hands, with God's help, and, for, and, and truthfully, with the help of really thousands of other people who have uh, actively and passively been involved in our our development books we've read, people we've listened to, people who've directly tried to influence us in a positive way, even people that have tried to hurt us, we've learned things from those experiences. And we want you guys to realize that no matter where you are in life right now, no matter where your business is right now, no matter where you live right now, we're from Columbus, Ohio, <laughs> okay? Where this is not, we, we did not, we were not born on top of a mountain, okay? We had to work our way up. And if we can do it, Trust me when I tell you, you know, if we can do it, you can do it too. And there is plenty of time. Of course you have a second chance, Dennis. Of course everyone else on here, you can recreate your life in any way you can. But you've got to be careful what you're allowing to influence you. You've got to, you know what, guys, you have got to be skeptics. And listen, I'm, we're quoted as saying I've never met a rich skeptic, and that's true. But not being a skeptic at all, just blindly following even people that you think should be having your best interests at heart is a mistake because what makes you think they know what they're talking about? Oftentimes, and this is unfortunate, a lot of people in our industry that are propped up on stage, that are basically you guys are coerced into go see or hear speak or whatever, there's a financial relationship that's going on behind the scenes that you're not uh, privy to. That's horrible for me to say, but it's also the truth. Be a skeptic. Think about what your goals are. Think about what Julie and I are talking to you about, and we're making this mindset stuff as practical as we can so you guys can apply it immediately in your lives. And then please, please accept the fact that you can drive huge amounts of profit from your real estate practice, and with that profit you can reinvest it. And you can make the next 20, 30, 40, 50, maybe some of you 70, 80 years, you can make that time on this planet whatever you want it to make it. What, however you want it to be, however you, the experiences you want to have, the relationships you want to have, you don't have to believe that you have to be limited in any way. You don't have to accept that your future is preordained. It's not. You can create it. So with that in mind, I want to thank you for listening today, and Julie and I will talk with you on the radio tomorrow. As always, guys, if you need us for anything, feel free to email us. 
Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com, and we'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.